What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Takeover. I am your host, Donovan White. Getting back into the swing of things. I know it's only May, but we're going to dive right into some team season previews and predictions for the Big Ten. I'll do them for each and every team. So no matter if you're a fan of Nebraska for today, Ohio State, Rutgers, Indiana, whoever it is, we're going to preview them all here on the Big Ten Takeover. So make sure you subscribe on the YouTube channel, the Takeover Sports Network. Go follow me on Twitter at DonnieMac98 and at Big Ten Takeover so you don't miss any of our content. So the first one up is Nebraska. And it's a team that I am very high on, that's safe to say, going into 2023. And Nebraska fans, you've heard a lot of this. Hear me out through this episode. Leave, let me know in the comments what you think. Uh, but just hear me out through this. So when we look back to 2022 for the Cornhuskers, to say that I was high on them was an understatement. I really liked Nebraska coming into 2022. I, I thought that this was the year that they were going to start putting it together, not take a step forward and jump up to Big Ten supremacy or anything like that. But I thought with Casey Thompson there, who I really liked with him leading the charge, I thought at least it was going to be somewhat of a breakout season for Scott Frost. I thought they were going to make a bowl game. I thought they for sure were going to make a bowl game. They had the pieces. They had some talent around them. It just didn't work out. And that ultimately led to Scott Frost's departure. They lost their first game in Northwestern. Gave up 45 points and a loss to Georgia Southern and kept skidding their way to a four and eight finish. That ultimately, like I said, led to Scott Frost's departure, um, where he left with a 16 and 31 overall record. It just wasn't a good tenure for him. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. I really thought it was going to in 2022, but it didn't. And that's the way of football and Big Ten football specifically, and unfortunately, what it's been like for Nebraska for a little while. But I think. From the ashes, spark a, a new light, a new beginning. And that new light has been Matt Rule. Matt Rule was hired uh, back in November, December, I believe. And since then, the Cornhuskers have been red hot in the transfer portal. Their recruiting efforts has gone up. The buzz from the building has been outstanding so far. And by outstanding, I don't mean national championship tenure. I mean outstanding for what they're trying to build that program back up to be and what it can be. And I am once again very high on Nebraska. Again, Cornhusker fans, hear me out. Just hear my reasoning. Let me know in the comments in the end if you agree or think I'm, uh, you know, a little too high on them for right now, which is would be fair. So let's look at some reasons to be excited, some key additions, some key players for Nebraska. Specifically, I'm going to start with offense because this is one of the reasons why I'm so high on the Cornhuskers is because their potential on offense. It all starts at quarterback with Jeff Sims, the transfer from Georgia Tech, and especially with Casey Thompson transferring out and leaving, it's pretty clear the writing's on the wall. Jeff Sims is going to be a starting quarterback. And I think Matt Rule said it really well. He's, I've always said he's an electric playmaker. He's a, He's got all the potential in the world, but Matt Rule said it well. He's not a runner who can throw. He's a passer who can run, right? His arm is that good. His arm talent is that good. He just so happens he can run a 4-4 and is you know one of the most electrifying athletes on the field when he's on the field and playing. He has a chance to be special. I'm, I, I can't emphasize enough how much talent this kid has, how much potential this kid's had. And I know Nebraska fans, you don't like hearing the word potential, you know, for any player or team, I get it, but you need to at least keep your eyes open to what this kid can bring, what this offense can do with them. And they're going to have the weapons for him. Right? They brought in Billy Kemp, a wide receiver from Virginia, 
There's going to be more in this slot. Be one of their starting receivers. They have freshman Malachi Coleman coming in, who I really like and think is going to get meaningful time this year. They got some big time talent with him. Wide receiver Xavier Betts, who entered the portal, then came back to Nebraska. Again, you never kind of know with some of the off, you know, off the field issues, the suspensions, but it seems as though it's heading in the right direction for him post spring ball. You've got a really talented group of tight ends. One who I did a video on specifically, Eric Gilbert, former five-star tight end out of Georgia who transferred in Thomas Fedoni, who was a former four, maybe borderline five-star tight end who just hasn't been healthy to start in the spring game. He started off as a starting tight end immediately. Other tight end, Nate Borkercher came in and flashed in the spring game at about 38, 40 yard touchdown uh, reception. So you have those pass catching threats for them. You've got Betts, you got Billy Kemp, who I think is be really dangerous in the slot. You got Malachi Coleman, you got others as well. And then you got a really good tight end room that I think if Fedoni is fully healthy, if Eric Gilbert kind of pieces it together and plays to his athleticism and talent level, and Vorkircher is there as well, you've got one of the best tight end rooms in the country. Uh, certainly one of the best in the conference. Iowa's kind of up there as well with Luke Lachey and company, but Nebraska's got the weapons on offense and even the backfield. I love Anthony Grant. You saw him on the thumbnail. I know Gabe Irvin Jr. has been kind of taking the storm. I think that duo together, even with Anthony Grant dealing with some off the field issues, it sounds like it's mainly academic, which is nothing to take light of, but nothing too more serious, much more serious than that. If those two are in sync, which I fully expect them to be, you've got a lot of potential of high caliber playmakers on offense at every level at running back, at tight end and at wide receiver, and then ultimately at quarterback. And I'm telling you, that offense with Jeff Sims being able to throw the ball the way he does to those playmakers, add it in with his running ability. And, you know, Casey Thompson had a running ability as well. Don't think of Casey Thompson running ability or JT Barrett running ability. Think Justin Fields running ability. Don't think Bryce Young running ability. Think of that ultra-athletic Lamar Jackson type running ability. He is that electric of a playmaker with his feet and with his arms. I'm really excited about him. They added a piece to the O-line as well. Ben Scott, a multi-year starter from Arizona State, started at basically every position minus center across the offensive line. Going to start for the Cornhuskers this year. Jacob Poda transferred from Georgia, huge behemoth of a man, about 6'8", 340, who kind of looks like Dewan Jones from Ohio State. Don't think he's going to start right away, but they still have some pieces there. Uh, on the other, they need to shore it up. Uh, their current projected starting lineup has some veterans in there, has some juniors, some seniors in there, and again, experienced guys like Ben Scott and company. But the depth behind them is kind of looking to be a bit of an issue. You've got a lot of kids that are freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores that are going to back them up. So depth is going to be a concern to to say it a, in, a, in a nicer way going into this season. But I think. With the playmakers on that side, with Jeff Sims running ability, that helps take some of the pressure off the offensive line if he's going to get out of sacks. I, that's going to be the key kind of, I think, for this offense is how much can this offensive line hold? They don't need to be a Michigan-dominant offensive line, but they need to be able to hold up in the run game and they need to be able to hold up in the, in the pass protection game for Jeff Sims and the rest of the offense. And they added things on on on, de- on offense you know, through the portal, but they added things on defense as well. And I know that's a big concern for Nebraska fans. It should be. Right after some of the games they had last year, there, there's obviously going to be concerns when you give up 45 points to Georgia Southern. That's a big concern. No matter how bad you are in the Big Ten, the Big Ten team does not give up 45 points to Georgia Southern. Who had a good offense? You just don't do that. It doesn't happen. But it did last year for the Cornhuskers. On defense, they got some talent from the portal as well. 
MJ Sherman out of Georgia is probably going to be the most impactful. He is going to lead a linebacker core, be one of the leaders of a linebacker core that I love. We'll talk about in a second, but kind of more that outside role deployments and pressure packages. Love his game. And a lot of these transfers are from the SEC. And I'm, I'm never going to give too much love to the SEC, but you're going to get some high profile athletes, even if they weren't big time starters. You get it another element of speed, strength, athleticism on the field. Corey Collier out of Florida. Don't know if he's going to crack the starting lineup right away. We'll get the DB situation as well. Elijah Judy from Texas A&M looks to be a rotational piece, which is good. Add some depth. And then Edge, kind of outside linebacker, Chief Borders from Florida as well. Those transfer core right there uh, on defense is, is going to play in. And they're going to either be a starter, most likely, like MJ Sherman, or they're going to have some rotational effect and some special teams effect, which is going to just elevate the team and the defense specifically in general. When you look at the rest of the defense, though, some guys that stand out, I love their linebacker core, right? I mentioned MJ Sherman already. They got Luke Reimer and Nick Heinrich. That linebacker core is legit. It has the potential to be one of the top units in the conference. And it's a mix of experience, athleticism, uh, tackling ability, you know, uh, coverage ability. You got a mix of it all in that linebacker core. And then you go down to the back, the back four, the secondary. They have combined projected starting lineup, 75 starts, whether that's from Nebraska, some transfers, whatever it may be. It's a very experienced secondary that's going to have a new look with, that, with, the, with the defense, with the new defensive system. And their linebackers support them. And then up front, a defense line. Ty Robbins is going to lead that charge for the defensive tackles. Love his game. Uh, really good player that's going to be there for Nebraska and help go. So, Nebraska fans, I know you don't like hearing all that potential. I, I'm just, I, I don't, I've always said that Nebraska is a program and Cornhusker friends, you get it better than anybody and you should. Nebraska is a blue blood football program. They are one of the elite eight to 10 programs in the country when it comes to football, when it comes to historic value, when it comes to brand value. And so when you have that in your back pocket, even if it's been dormant for a while, you have the support of the money behind the scenes. You have the support of the fans. You have the support of the city. And you have, you know, the college football history on your side, even though that doesn't do much, not tangible. You are a blue blood program. And blue blood programs don't stay down for long. And I think Nebraska this year, with all that talent I listed off, with Matt Rule having this culture-changing impact that he does, that he's had, this is where you're going to see, in my opinion, Nebraska start to transform a little bit. So when we look at their schedule, when we break down their schedule for 2023, this is what I have thinking. Again, you can think this is ridiculous. You can think this is crazy, whatever. They start off the season at Minnesota. I'm calling it a win. I, I'm not saying Minnesota's going to be bad this year. I think they're going to start off the season with a win at Minnesota, be 1-0 overall, 1-0 going into Big Ten play. 1-0 in Big Ten play, excuse me. Week two, they've, they're at Colorado. Listen, folks, don't buy the Colorado hype just yet. Deion Sanders and Shader Sanders, maybe they take that program to the moon in a couple of years and wouldn't be surprised if they do. Not near one. They've got a brutal schedule. They have 50-plus players transferring out. It's going to be a rough year for Colorado where they maybe win two or three games. And even if Nebraska is not as good as I think they will, they're not losing to Colorado. I think they beat North Illinois. They beat up on the MAC team. I think they beat Louisiana Tech. And you could say it's crazy to start off 4-0. In any of these first four games, the only one I think you could question whether or not they would win is Minnesota. And that's fair. If you think, oh, no, you know, Minnesota is going to beat them. That's totally fair. They're not losing to Colorado. They're not losing to New Illinois. And I don't believe they're going to lose to Louisiana Tech. So I think they start the season 4-0. Then they have a home game against Michigan. 
Michigan is the class of the Big Ten right now. Nebraska is not. There's nothing. It's not anything against Nebraska, not tooting Michigan's horn too loud. It's just the way it is right now. Nebraska is not quite ready to beat Michigan. I think the early opening line against May, so it's an early opening line, was like Michigan minus 18. Don't know who I'd take, and that kind of depends on how Nebraska is winning those first four games or losing those four, first four games. I think they lose to Michigan. They're 4-1. and one. Another controversial one at Illinois. Listen, Illinois lost a lot of pieces on defense. They lost running back Chase Brown. They lost some other pieces across the team. I, it's not that I think Illinois is going to fall off a cliff, but I don't think they're going to be uh, as good of a team as they were last year. I think they make a bowl game, but I don't think they're going to be as good of a team last year. And a lot of Illinois fans haven't liked that, which is fair. So five and one right there after the first half of the season, they're going to beat Northwestern. I know they lost last year. They're going to beat Northwestern. Northwestern's in a tough spot again this season. I think they beat Purdue. They're losing Aiden O'Connell, Charlie Jones, Jalen Graham. Purdue's going to have some depletions there. Yes, they have Hudson Card coming from Texas, who I like a lot, but I don't think Purdue's going to be the same type of team as they were last season. Then I think they beat Michigan State. Peyton Thorne just transferred out. I know Noah Kim is there. I'm not too high on Michigan State. I wasn't going into last year. Michigan State fans kind of got on me for that, and, and look what happened. They didn't make the bowl game. So you're going into week 9, 10, kind of depending on how the bye week fills. In my opinion, you're going in into there eight and one. Maybe that's crazy to say, and maybe it's more likely that they lose a game to Illinois, right? Maybe they lose a game to Minnesota. Maybe they they go they play Michigan and Michigan beats up on them bad, which I think Nebraska fans, that's a reasonable thing to say might happen. Michigan is, is that good. If they beat up on, on Nebraska bad in that week five game, they could probably they could lose to Illinois the next week. It could happen. The team's the momentum slides a little bit. That's more than fair to happen. I think going into that week nine, 10 game against Maryland, you have a potential for Nebraska to be in the running for the Big Ten West. And I know that's crazy to say, but it is a legit thing that can happen. I think in the end, those last three games is kind of where they take a little bit of a fall. Maryland specifically, I know it's at home. If if Nebraska is eight and one and they're playing Maryland at home, then that place can be rocking, obviously, anything can happen. I think to a, to a excuse me, Talia Tagovailoa, I got the brothers mixed up a little bit, uh, is kind of, kind of bringing that experience. He knows how to win the big games. Hasn't always put it together for Maryland. I like Maryland this year. I think they lose that game. They play at Wisconsin, who I do ultimately think wins the Big Ten West with Tanner Mordecai uh, and, and Luke Fickle and company there. And then Iowa, who I think will be in second place in the Big Ten West. And it's nothing against Nebraska in this case. I just think you're going to have – an environment at Wisconsin who's, who's in my opinion, going to be in a, you know, a higher ranking situation at that point, fighting for a Big Ten championship uh, berth at that point. And then Iowa to end this season, who also might be fighting in some regard for that spot, depending on how their game against Wisconsin goes. So my final, you know, prediction is, is at the bare minimum, this team is winning six games. You could take away the Illinois you know, game, win if you think that's unfair. You could take away the Minnesota win if you think that's unfair, and I would totally respect it. That's still six games. I don't see them losing to Colorado, North Illinois, Louisiana Tech, Northwestern, Michigan State, or Purdue. Then we got six guaranteed wins right there to get you to a bowl game. And I know there's a lot of projection on my part, but the talent at Nebraska is real. If they figure it out and start to gel to even some extent, which I believe they will, they'll have around seven or eight wins. They gel to some extent. They'll have around seven, eight wins. They have too much talent to not do that. Right. I think, like I said, bare minimum six wins for bowl game. 
And if Jeff Sims in the offense, offense and Jeff Sims specifically, defense, you know, if the if they're if they gel and, and figure out even more, that's great. But specifically, what I think could take them over the top this year, past this eight and four record, is if Jeff Sims in the offense progresses faster than anticipated. And if they do that, watch out for the Cornhuskers because there is too much talent on that offense, and there is too much talent in the name of Jeff Sims for them to not be better than this record if he pieces together. By piece together, I mean be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. He might not be that right away. He might be one of the more electrifying ones. But if he's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, right, up there with Delia Tagovailoa, up there with maybe Tanner Mordecai or Kyle McCord or J.J. McCarthy in terms of efficiency, in terms of not turning the ball over and making big plays, then watch out for Nebraska to be a dark horse contender for the Big Ten West. That's my take on it. Uh, again, Nebraska fans, let me know what you think in the comments. I know it's just the beginning of the May, but I got to get these out. Got to get excited for football. I think I saw somewhere it's been like 116 days since the last college football game, and we've got like 115 until the next one. So we're right at that halfway mark. Give or take a couple of days. My math might be a little wrong, or maybe it's been a few days since I've seen that tweet. But we're going to cover it all, Big Ten. All the Big Ten teams will cover, cover the Big Ten Big time games, a little bit of a, a tongue twister there. We're going to cover it all. Make sure you go subscribe to the network on YouTube, the Takeover Sports Network. Make sure you go follow me on Twitter at DonnieMac98. Follow the show at, at Big Ten Takeover on Twitter and the network at Takeover Pods on Twitter as well. Again, leave your comment in the video what you think. Give me your final record prediction from Raska. Is it six and six? Is it lower than that? Do you think they're going to lose more games? Do you think they could have, you know, win more games? Is them losing to Maryland? Not a fair assessment if I have them beating, you know, teams like uh, teams like, you know, Minnesota and teams like Purdue. Let me know what you think in the comments uh, for the network and for the show. I am Donovan White and I will see you all next time.